What's up, everyone? It's Fella from Dreamshade, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another new edition of Interview Under Fire. Smack dab in the middle of season six, believe it or not. This is your host, Sonny, along with Fernando Fella, as mostly people know him, Dichico. Quite the honor. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today in IUF. You know, this is an important yet exciting time coming up here in the month of March for you and the rest of the guys over at Dreamshade with the release of your fourth studio album, A Pale Blue Dot, drops March 5th through Harangue and Dreamshade Music. First of all, you know, fella, congratulations on all the well-deserved reactions it's been getting so far, especially with the singles, you know, Lightbringers, Stone Cold Digital, Shanghai Nights, to name a few. There's just so much I want to unravel about all this, but I know we just talked about it pre-interview. I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off. Considering where we are all at at this point in our lives, how are you? <laughs> how's life? <laughs> how's life in Switzerland, man? I I I assume uh, things are being handled much better than here in the U.S. I know things are like flip flop over here, but how's life for you out there, man? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you, and and uh, life is good. I have to be honest. It's. It's very weird because it's a pretty weird year for everybody around the world. So, and and we were one of the first nations in in Europe to be hit by this uh, virus because we live. I mean, I actually live. The whole band lives um, on the border with Italy. So there was wow. a very okay. yeah. There was the the red the actual red zone, the first red zone in Europe after China, and. Um, it was brutal. <laughs> I have to be honest. Everything we had to change all of our plans for the for the record. We finished the record in lockdown, so we started uh, writing before the lockdown, and then had to record it in the lock in lockdown right. and mix it on Skype. <laughs> yeah, and you did mention which I, I will talk about a pale blue dot here in a minute, and that was recorded during lockdown, like like you said. But it was a very different approach and experience than what you guys are used to. I know all of us are, and making the best of this situation is easier said than done. A lot of the bands, I mean, <laughs> I mean, releasing what they wanted to do in 2020, they have to move it up, move it up, move it up. And who knows how much longer this is going to continue. But here we are. I mean, obviously we do these interviews a person. So again, appreciate you taking the time. But, you know, life as of late, fella, and many of us have also been away from the stage a lot, fans and musicians alike. But how are you keeping up your vocals and guitar chops these days? Is that affecting your musicianship has anything changed for your routine wise lately if at all i i started doing everything at home um mm. and i actually never ever stopped writing since we started writing songs for this record so i just hopped on this opportunity to have more time to dedicate to music and uh, even if uh, in the first place i was like really bummed that this whole situation changed our plans then I started taking advantage of it, and after after finishing the recordings and the and the mixing and the mastering of the record, setting up everything uh, on a management level uh, level, I kept on writing songs. <laughs> so uh, now I find myself uh, with a lot of new material to work on, uh, which the guys are really excited about, and 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 I don't know it. it I feel like the entire lockdown thing woke up something in me. And if, even if I hate it, I somehow think that makes me really productive. You know, no, that's easy. That, I love that 
answer that you just put out. Now let's talk about something that because that you guys were really productive on is the live experience. And fellow, you've been at this since 2006, you know, with Dreamshade. Yep. You've all, you know, 15 years and you've also played with Darkest Hour at some point during your career. But how was the touring life for you personally, fella? Because you've done some extensive touring throughout your career as well. You know, whether it's at South Africa to Asia to the UK and the US, you've also played in the Greenfield Festival and that one festival, I think, I believe it's called Alluvietti and Friends in 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah we played two or three times with them uh, yeah. at their festival. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're all kind of just, you know, I don't know, taking like an unexpected step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking, you know, there's food, you know, the cultures, the fans. There's just so many yes. things to pick apart about what makes touring, you know, so amazing. I mean, for lack of a better word, but what was your biggest personal takeaway from that? Meeting people. Uh, I, I do love the stage. And don't get me wrong. It's, it's the best thing that one can do if, if, if you love music. Of course. Absolutely. It's... And especially for us, it was a hard hit because we came from 2019 where we toured the whole year. I mean, I was on tour every month because I, I toured with Dreamshade uh, and Don Broco in Europe. And then we went to South Africa. Then I joined the Darkest Hour uh, with Misery Signals and Unearth. And we did the whole European tour again. Then we did the festivals. Then we went to Asia with Dreamshade. And then in January and February, I joined Darkest Hour again for their for their uh, 25th anniversary tour mm -hmm. here in Europe and 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 I never stopped playing live until the virus hit and I I feel bad about it but I still feel lucky because that exact time coincided with the start of the recording of the record so uh it's a it's a bad timing yeah but it could be way worse. And what I miss about the road is just not being able to make new friends and meet people around the world because I feel like super lucky to have this opportunity to meet very interesting people every time that we travel. Yeah, and this the same thing was for me because uh, I was at a show every week before this whole lockdown yeah. started. And again, what did I say earlier? Making the best of a situation is what we have to do and a very popular topic on interview under fire for the last year, which I can't believe I'm even saying year already <laughs> is, and you've seen this fella, you've seen this, all the bands have been doing it live streaming. A lot of the bands, what yeah. they do on stage are taking it to what we're doing right now. You know, code orange is one of the fir first bands to do it. I think there were bands before yeah. that, you know, we had Nilo from insomnium on the show. He talked about his experience on nice selling virtual tickets to the fans and, uh, pre-recording a show and streaming it. And then, like we mentioned earlier, you know, August Burns Red did it, Lamb of God did it, Behemoth did it. And we did it, it with Darkest Hour too, also, uh, yeah, in September. I, yeah, exactly. I was, yeah, I was actually going to bring that up as well. But, you know, with all the experience that you've taken in, fella, with what you just talked about with the festivals and the collaborations and all the friends and fans, just the people you meet, you know, it's a change of scenery, definitely a drastic change. But do you think that the quarantine-induced live streaming that we're seeing right now from all these bands, I wouldn't even say surge at this point. It's just, you know, at a constant now, it's going up and up and up. Is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your perspective? Like, do you still see bands doing something like this, even after all this is over? Some bands will do it. Uh, um, I gotta be honest. I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a great opportunity for, for bands that are not able to travel right now and, and to tour and, and make money of the live shows. 
Um, but it's still very, very expensive. I mean, to, to, to make a, a good quality type of show, it's very expensive. It's hard to sell tickets uh, to a show that doesn't happen in front of you. Um, but still, I feel like the more, the more dedicated, the most dedicated fans are willing to pay for that. And, it's, and that, uh, that's something really great because it shows that at least in the rock community, uh, the rock community, it's pretty much alive. Yeah. So the, the people that follow you actually miss you being on the road as much as you do. And, and it's, I don't know, I feel like somebody will, will keep doing it, um, but it's never going to be the same. No, of course not. I remember last uh, summer I went to, I always like bringing this up. Last summer I went to uh, the Metallica live streaming. I don't know if you knew about that. That was happening here in the States. They did it for one yeah, weekend. Yeah. And luckily a friend of mine had an extra ticket. I was like, he was like, Hey, Sonny, you want to, you want to go to this Metallica live stream, which by the way, uh, let me, I'm sure I've said this before. This is my first ever live experience with Metallica. <laughs> I've never seen Metallica in person. And if you would have told me, Hey, Sonny, the first time you'll see Metallica is during a pandemic <laughs> at a drive-in, I would think you'd be outside your mind, but we get there and in Texas, it was like, it was like in a, in a desert area, you know, and we had a billboard outside, which was a blank billboard. And, you know, what's the popular thing we hear at metal show is let me see your horns. Right. And you see just a sea of horns uh, of all the fans that are below you. And you get those you get that a, a rush of adrenaline through your body yeah. that you can't match that. And instead, what do we get? We got, hey, let me hear you honk your horns. So if you roll your window down, you just hear you just hear a bunch of cars just honking just in the middle of the night, just out in the in the, in the darkness. It felt so odd. But what I'm trying to get at is it just made me miss the live experience even more. Yeah, I have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I want to. But how much longer can I do that for? You did the live streaming. Now what? How much more creative can you get? I don't know if that has crossed your mind. Uh, I, I used to think about this in the first months of pandemic. Then I stopped because I felt like I was getting nowhere and maybe it's not my place to find, <laughs> to find a new way to do it. Or maybe I, I, maybe I will have some ideas in the future, but um, what, I'm, what I want to say is this. Uh, missing a show is not you missing the band playing live, but it's way more you being next to people that feel the same as you, uh, in my opinion. And, and, and that's the same way that it goes for the bands watching you guys you know um in the pit and or in, uh, under the lose, stage lose our shit in the pit yes <laughs> because because you connect with people with with you know you're giving the music and your uh energy somehow and people are giving you their energy and 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 that's the type of connection that you you will never get through a screen or uh, maybe just until now, who knows what, what will happen in the future. But I'm positive that, that, that this is going to change soon uh, for many countries, maybe not all over the world, but mm -hmm. I feel like at least in a year from now, we're going to be back on stage. I yeah, really hope and, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of a year from now, let's hope that a pale blue dot is all the way out there for the fans to listen to live and with and it, it is a fourth album i'm going to talk about that now and we, we covered so many topics but let's cover <laughs> blue dot comes out yeah. march 5th on harangue music and distributed by dream uh, dream shade yourself and the title for my listeners who don't know is derived from the famous carl sagan book a pale blue dot from 1994 
And being a sci-fi nerd that I am, this just hit home. And this is your first <laughs> album in five years since 2016 is vibrant. And I'm going to quote Safe Harbor here, the first song. Everything changes when I press play. That's exactly what happened to me when Whoa. I Whoa. So, so you had the chance to, to listen to it. Yeah. And I kept okay. listening to it over and over and over. It took me back to not even taking me back. It just reminded me of bands like Killswitch and Periphery, even Skyfire. I'll even throw that in there. Absolutely. And, you know, that was song. one of my first influences ever. <laughs> oh, there you go. That that goes hand in hand, you know, from songs like Lightbringers to, you know, to Question Everything to Elephant, which is my personal favorite. Holy shit. Um, this, that, you know, riff after riff, groove after groove. You know, this was well worth the wait after half a decade. So let me ask you this, fella. How much did things change from when you first started composing this album to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change in between? Was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with a pale blue dot? I know it's a loaded question, but I wanted to set you up for this specifically. It's also very interesting. So thank you because it's, uh, I, I, can, I can hear that you know what you're talking about and it's great. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we released Vibrant in, at the end of 2016. Uh, We loved that record and we did a very uh, big uh, touring cycle after that. Um, we, we got some mixed feelings on it because it, it didn't really sound like we wanted to. We were expecting mm. to. And um, some, some things were rushed. So we didn't dedicate uh, much. We, had, we hadn't had the, the opportunity to dedicate much time on it. Um, That's why it took so long to have another album out because we, we, needed, we needed to understand what we wanted next for the band because we're not out there to just keep releasing stuff and then after 10 years, uh, look back and just cringe. We don't <laughs> want to do that. We just want to put the best art that, that we can do at that particular moment in time. And... Uh, I feel like some, some time helped the band really understand what is our role in this or in the bigger picture, you know? And uh, something that really always hit the fans is our lyrics and our type of melodies because they're, they're, I feel like they are pretty unique. And uh, so we really worked on this for this time. So we started... Five, uh, so we it took five months to write and record, which mm -hmm. is the fastest that we've ever done a record. It we just needed the right moment to start. So, after a, a full year and a half touring, uh, and and after releasing Question Everything, which is on the, on the record, uh, we really felt okay, we have the, that type of energy to start writing. So, we put a deadline on it, and it was like three months later. And we just uh, locked ourselves up in, in, in our, in our uh, rehearsal space and our mm -hmm. home and started writing every day. And every week we had a new song ready. And then when we started, you know, working on vocals, it just, everything just clicked. So I feel like the songs were already really good. And we knew that already since the demo stage. And then working on it with the samples and, and, and the vocals and everything really felt like every song were, uh, was talking to us. And we felt like, okay, if this is so meaningful for us, of course it's going to be meaningful for somebody else. 
so this is the right moment to make an album and then we decided to produce it yeah and i did mention that this was a whole different experience when it came to putting yourselves in lockdown i feel like you you said it 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 it, it allowed you to tap into a whole different dimension of fellow that you may have not been able to tap into before and it was different Absolutely. from your previous three but at the same time you know what i got was that sense of maturity was there and you still stayed true to your sound which is not an easy thing to do for heavy metal bands yet here you are uh, it's it's it, it's very interesting because it's uh, a very long process it's not something that you can mm-hmm. just decide and do uh, it's not like that. Even if some bands are going to tell you that, it's not true. No, uh, not at all. The, the truth is uh, we started the band in 2006 and then recorded our first EP in 2008 and already decided that we, want, we wanted to have a very distinguished sound. We didn't want to sound like somebody else. So we felt like that first type of uh, riffs, songwriting style, we need to keep that and evolve it every other record. That's why mm. you're never going to find a Dreamshade record that sounds exactly the same as the previous one. Because we want to keep the songwriting going in the Dreamshade style. And even if we change genres, maybe we, we do a Bossa Nova album after this. <laughs> but you're going to know that it's... I Dreamshade. would hope so. <laughs> that would be great. I, I would love it because it's one of my favorite genres. But you know what I'm talking about. I want to... Yeah. I mean... People will understand in time, even if it's just, I don't know, 10 years from now, they will understand that Dreamshade is a style of some writing and not a music genre. You know, it's funny you say that because I've had so many records that I look up to that I didn't really realize that it was that impactful until five or 10 years later. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I don't know how, how that is, but it just happens. You listen to an album and then you maybe don't listen to it again, maybe until the next year and then it hits you way further down the road and it's like holy shit okay that was actually an awakening experience and you know i'm and you nailed it right on the head with the pale blue dot i i'm pretty sure this is going to be hailed as one of the one of the top metalcore albums you know if not for this year for a lot of years uh for for to come and look at the bands that i just mentioned and everything we just talked about something else i want to talk about is you know it was also mixed and mastered by grammy nominated producer jacob hansen and Jacob, he's known for his work with Amaranth and the Black Dolly Murder, Volbeat, Epica, Delane. And we've had the privilege to talk with all those bands already. And they talked about amazing things about Jacob. And it was recorded in Denmark, who also worked on A Gift of Life back in uh, right. 2013. So I'm sure there was a sense of comfortability in the studio for you, fella, and the rest of the guys, knowing that Jacob was working on this album with you. Yes. Uh, he's a true angel. It's just... Very weird. We we had this connection when when um, when we did uh, the Gift of Life back in 2013, mm-hmm. where we never felt that somebody really understood our music up to that point, and that was the first record where we changed our singer and Kevin joined the band, and we were under this pressure by the audience that we had at the time, and it was a full you know metalhead type of audience that was. Uh, breathing on our necks for new music and really uh, was trying to you know some of the some of the people were trying to discredit us for changing the singer so early in the process and everything but they didn't know what we knew they didn't know that Kevin was a fucking beast (laughs) of course (laughs) and and uh, and and that helped us really think out of the box and I feel like the gift of life is the first record where we felt 
truly free to express whatever came to mind. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't metal, we could transform it and, and make it sound dream shit. So that's where we started really taking um, uh, many influences from outside rock and metal. And that's, that's what makes dream shit sound very, very unique, in my opinion. And Jacob really understood that and made us something amazing. And this time, he even made something even greater, in my opinion. And I'm going to throw two more names out there for you. Pop star Rose Villain and Darkest Hour frontman John Henry. Holy shit. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, Stone Cold Digital and Nothing But The Truth, respectively, they perform on the songs and they do it so well. Just the chemistry that I, I heard. I'm like, I'm like, of course, of course. I mean, why wouldn't they have them on here? That works. That rounds out the album to perfection. What was that experience like bringing in? outside professional artists in their music fields, respective music fields, into your world of making music? Did it make the process that much easier? Honestly, that was my dream. I no always <laughs> I, I, I always want to... I always want to... I, I never did any collaboration in Dreamshade before, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to. I felt like maybe some... Uh, I don't know, a slice of audience that we have, uh, maybe it's not ready for this, but I, f- I also feel like they are now used that we, that we change every album. So maybe it's the right time to really make them understand and make them love our music as much as we do uh, through this process. So we started thinking about people that could add value to these songs mm-hmm. And as you know, because you already listened to the record, uh, Stone Cold Digital is a very different type of song than Nothing But The Truth, right? Of course. So they, they could be two, dif- two totally different bands, right? And you, that's, they, that's how you got me excited with the whole Bossa Nova thing. Okay, is this... <laughs> I'm, I'm getting excited right now for your next album. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's how it came about. We, we had this very different type of songs. And we knew that we could make them sound good in the same record. That's the difficulty of it, of course, because it's, it's never easy. But we felt so confident because all of the songs are very energy, energetic in, in their own way, right? Even being very different styles. So we had this uh, very... Uh, Stone Gold Digital is a, is a very um, weird song to me because... Uh, it's a type of scale that we never use. Uh, it's very synth-driven. There, there is rap in it. There is uh, um, uh, melodic screams in it. There is clean vocals. And then I wanted to just take it to the next level and add our first collaboration ever. And to make it weirder, I didn't want a rock singer. I didn't want a male singer. Mm. And we had this opportunity to have her because we were touring China and our new drummer was texting her. And I noticed that being a fan of her for, for some years because she did some collaboration with a very huge Italian artist. I love her voice. Yeah. And I saw he was, texting to, uh, he was texting her on Instagram on the DMs. And I was like, are you really texting her? And, she, <laughs> and, and he turned to me and was like, yeah, uh, we used to have a band together back in LA 10 years ago. And I was Whoa. like, what the fuck? <laughs> really? You, oh, that, you that, that makes it convenient. <laughs> wow. And so uh, I, I started writing the song some months later and it just clicked like, okay, 
I have these songs. She could be perfect on this because it's very weird. We can make it even weirder. And then uh, I, I sent it to her and she was all excited. And, and a few months later, we had the, the vocals because she lives in, the, in New York. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell just by your excitement. You're jumping out the seat. I can see. I mean, that, that, crazy. Shows, I mean, that shows how much dedication you have to your craft, fella. And uh, I never knew that, you know, you know, guitar riffs, double bass and synths, like all these things would come together. I never knew how much I needed this in my life. You know, you can go back 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah, we talk about the 90s grunge and doing what they did, mm-hmm. you know, 2000s with the whole, you know, you know, new metal came into the scene. And, and now it, I feel like with this whole synth thing, there's a trick to it, but you guys do it to perfection. And uh, I mean, I, again, this, I don't mean to sound like a broken record. I can't wait for what you guys have stored in the future. Like all these things that you know, go under your sleeve. I'm <laughs> sure. Either. Yeah. I'm sure it opened up so many other ideas that you guys have potential to explore, which is, which is great things that shows the growth of the musicality within dream shade. And something I also want to touch on is, you know, between writing and structuring the songs and the production process, like you just talked about, the bulk of the lyricism, and this is what I was really excited about, the bulk of the lyricism in Dream Shade surrounds, you know, life and visions, personal and inner struggles. And the title comes from Carl Sagan's book, again, uh, Pale Blue Dot. You have, song like, you have a song like Shanghai, Shanghai Nights, which is about the nostalgic moment that you live in when the tour is over and it's time to go back home. And then you have a song like Lightbringers, which is about urging today's generations to take care of one another and the beauty that surrounds us. And then Stone Cold Digital, like you just talked about, about the obsessive digitalization of mankind. So what I'm trying to tie in here is the theme and how important are themes to you guys, fella? Is that more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience? Like to what level do you guys like to have a theme for your music? Uh, To me, this is always, this has always been everything because Hmm. I live by this rule and uh, I mean, of course, I am the, f- the founder member of the band. I've been the longest in, in it. But also the other guys definitely agree with this. Um, if, if you are an artist and you don't have something to say, you shouldn't say nothing. Because mm. nobody's forcing you to do this. So I only will do albums when I have something really important to say or something really heartfelt or something really inspiring or something that can resonate with the people who's listening. And um, I, still, I still feel like so lucky that people can understand what we are saying in the songs because they can relate so much. And it's really impressive to me because I grew up when, when metal used to be not so heartfelt and just uh, you know being movie inspired and and talking about death and really uh, weird uh, good sad old cannibal stuff. corpse. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love yeah. it because that's that's what I like too. But I never really wanted to be that type of artist in terms of lyrics, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so being not a native uh, English speaker, it's. It's great to see that so that so many lyrics actually resonate with people. So I would say they are the reason uh, for what we write. They start the, the the songwriting process for me because I already have a lot of lyrics written that I'm constantly working on uh, because there are some things that I that I that we really want to talk about. Yeah, 
No, I love that answer. You know, because a lot of artists don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But I feel like Dream Shade, that was just a, a specific message you guys wanted to get out there. And, you know, again, this, you know, every song that I just talked about, it just resonated with someone like me. And I'm sure with, with all the fans. And I can't wait till you guys come to Dallas and we do another one of these. I would know, love in, to in, come in to person. Texas, man. I mean, yeah, of course. Now, right now, it's right, come now. <laughs> Don't come in February. Our Februarys are brutal. <laughs> but, you know, with, you know, with your career, fella, do you see your albums that you put out throughout? Do you see these as snapshots of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back? Always. Always. I want, I want to remember, I live my life uh, by albums. They are chapters of my life and our lives. And it's just, uh, I feel great when I can look back to the catalog of music that we released and feel like proud of all of it. And even if some songs right now sounds, sound, you know, uh, a little bit uh, an expert level, uh, maybe the older ones, I still feel that there is something special in it. And uh, I know many other artists that that cannot say the same thing. And uh, it's true. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's always been special for me, uh, just being able to be heard by people. So I just feel like I'm doing this because I know that somebody can understand. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like, you know, it's easy to look back on a year like 2020 and whatever music you put out, you could say something like, oh, hey, this was the pandemic song. This was the pandemic album. This was pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. So whatever I did was the pandemic. But uh, I see it. I see it. I, I feel like you could see it the same way. I mean, I, I don't mean to speak for a lot of people, but it allowed you to grow musically and artistically and personally that you may have not been able to explore about yourself um, before. You know, uh, and, you know, yeah, we're cooped up at home, but. Uh, what you just said about how you were able to just write the lyrics and it made the process easier for you knowing that you were just locked in and it gave you something to focus on. Absolutely. D does that make sense? I don't hope I'm not rambling, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I usually even write, I don't know, pieces of text and uh -huh. that maybe that may be not end up in a song and because I just want to express something and I feel that need of, you know, write a page on my computer and then just go and, and throw something that when I read it again over and over makes me feel some type yeah. of chill. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, if you see what, where I'm going. No, I, it's I, something I, I really need in my life. I, I, I do. And again, if it wasn't for musicians and artists like you, I wouldn't be here today. So much appreciated. Like, <laughs> I mean, the reason why I do this publication is to, you know, give you guys a platform to speak on what, what you love to do and what you have a passion for. From yeah. the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline you have taken in, which we have discussed about so far, whether it's, you know, playing for Dream Shade for as long as you have 15 years touring, you know, from South America you know, to Asia, UK, US, playing with Darkest Hour, that experience, you know, fella, have your aspirations as a person or a band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing music and uh, playing music in the industry? Do you see things differently today? Hmm. Uh, of course, I, I, I feel they keep changing. And maybe in, I don't know, five years from now, I, I would not think the same. But I, there is something that is still the same to me, or maybe it's even, um, it burns harder, which is uh, being able to cultivate the passion that we have 
and it's it's really great to be to be able to see the progress because if you don't see the progress sometimes you f- you feel like you're stuck somewhere uh being it uh songwriting or you know touring or i don't know maybe you're not you're not always super busy with the band because opportunities don't show up who knows but yeah. that's something that everybody lives in this type of field i feel like especially we live in a place that it's very very small we live in a very small town in southern switzerland where nothing really happens there are no other bands that tour the world so um it's very hard to find people that can understand you uh when you live through these type of moments mm-hmm. i'm here in but, dallas and we, we we're getting our own snow you're, you're already used to that <laughs> we're not <laughs> so that's something yeah but but i feel like uh some something is is, is certain i mean I feel the passion is their way and it's, I mean, even, even stronger than ever before. And that's something that many artists cannot say. Yeah. Because, because sometimes it just drops, you know, and I know, I know that I can do even better than what, what we just did. And, and I have so many ideas that I still really wanted to put out. Yeah, it's always nice to have something like that to look forward to. Like you have so much left to do and you can't wait to get to it, you know? And you even even your new album hasn't even dropped yet and it's already gaining so much positive recognition. <laughs> it's definitely something to be humble about. Now, uh, we're approaching the uh, last part of the interview. Do me a favor, stick around for one minute after the interview. Uh, what yeah. I'm going to do right now, this is the fun part. This is the way I like to end my interviews. I do this with a few of my guests and they love it. It always throws them off. What I'm going to do, fella... I'm going to put you on the hot seat. hot seat. I'm going to see if you know the lyrics to your own songs. You're for that challenge? Of course. <laughs> You're not nervous. All right. That's good. You're like, yeah, let's do it. We were talking about lyrics throughout the entire episode. So I was like, hey, why not put him on the seat? Here we go. What I'm going to do, I'm going to start you up easy. I think you already know. I think you'll be fine. I handpicked a select few songs. I'm going to read the lyric and you name the song. You ready? Of course. Of course you're ready. Why not? All right. Here we go. I've seen the worst in people, ignored their negativity. It's an on empire. my own. Oh yeah, see, you already. <laughs> I, I didn't even get to finish that. <laughs> oh, you you want you life. want me to let you finish? No, 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 that's okay. That's even better ah, okay. if, you, if you interrupt you. That shows how well. So you it's know it's you. it's somehow a quiz. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a quiz, and uh, okay. it's, it, this is funny because I've had I've had artists who say, yeah, I'll yeah, I'll get every song right. They they get every song wrong, and then some artists will say, oh, I won't get any song right, and they get every song right. It's always the opposite. <laughs> But all right, so I'm not going to go in order either. So hopefully I can get you on one. Hopefully. Here we go. All that I want seems too much to ask. And all that I need, and all I need hides behind your mask. I need something that makes... Uh, Sandcastles. Wow. Yeah, it's from The Gift of Life 2013. I feel like when I read these, it's like poetry. I'm just like singing a lullaby to someone. Yeah. Uh, It's a different delivery when you just speak it in dialogue. Absolutely. Absolutely. It took some time. Yeah. All right, here we go. Moving on. Take my hand and walk me, walk with me through my darkest nights. I'm just so Father. scared of yeah. From vibrant. Wow, 2016. You got this. Here we go. From the loneliness of our souls, we'll start to be the same thing. We'll start to be what we always wanted, and our wishes come true. Please get this one wrong. <laughs> so this is from uh, What Silence Hides. Yep. Oh. And. Uh, 
Oh, that's the that's the the, the title song. The title yeah. track, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, that's the title track. The first yeah. song on that record, 2011. Ooh, that yeah. was hard, man. <laughs> that was 10, 10 years ago. That's good. Yes. All right. Moving on. I think, uh, man, you got. I'm pretty much. You'll get. You'll get all of it. Why can't I understand you? The path you're on, I can't get. Sincere. To. From the gift of life, 2013. Man, we're knocking this out. Watching the world change its course, like fellas. Eternal. <laughs> Eternal. <laughs> I said fellas. That's fella. <laughs> what Silence Eyes 2011? Another, you know, great album. Uh, I mean, that album holds up really well, even though it's 10 years old. I can't believe. It's a, it's a, it's very special in that type of melodic death metal yeah. uh, um, because it sounded very different from our peers. I feel, and. Um, I, I just had the chance to listen it, to listen to it uh, last month because it, it it just turned ten years old. How and was I, that? <laughs> it was surprisingly good. I mean, I know that many people don't even know that type of genre, so maybe it's not appealing for them. But for me, that I've been growing growing up in that in that type of style, I feel like it's very special. Yeah. No, it really is. Uh, okay, we got two more. Which I'm, I don't doubt you'll get these. So damn young, our ascent has begun. Do I even need to read anymore? <laughs> okay. Uh, this is Lightbringers. Wow, just one line and you got it. I don't think I've ever done that before. A pale, yeah. <laughs> uh, pale Blue Dot uh, comes out in March. Okay. I'll do this again. This is one line only. I am the only one who can write this page. Dreamers don't sleep. Wow, vibrant. You got every song right. That was probably the fastest hot seat I've ever done. Um, nice. Bella, this has been such an honor. Do you have any last words, any shout outs, anything you would like to plug in as far as Dream Shade and just the hard work you put out in the world for the fans and listeners out there? So I really hope that everybody out there is going to be able to listen to this record because it's very important for us uh, at this stage, at least. And um, it's a very long record. It's 14 songs. So... There is a lot of uh, there is a lot to process, in my opinion. It doesn't and feel like it though. <laughs> that's that's amazing. It's the longest record that we've ever done, and it's uh, I'm really proud of it. So if you if you're using uh, streaming services, we're available everywhere from Spotify, Pandora, Tidal, uh, Apple Music, whatever you use. And if you if you're a fan of physical copies, we have physical CDs and limited double vinyls. That are, that are really looking great and are going pretty fast. I, I but they're all on our website. No, I was going to say, I still buy records. They're like in the corner of my room. I still buy them. And, you know, everyone who's listening, if you're able to do it, buy the merch because the bands can't do it without your help. The Spotify listens always help, you know, the streaming services. But what are, if you can, you know, buy the album. And everyone who's listening, this is Fella from Dreamshade. A Pale Blue Dot comes out March 5th on Harangue and Dreamshade Music as well. Uh, their, own, their own label. And... Uh, Fella, this has been great. Hopefully we can do this again with you and the boys, uh, you know, in person, obviously. That would be uh, awesome, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, come to Dallas. That'll be a, a, a quite the warm welcome here. A warm welcome. Let me emphasize <laughs> that. It's been freezing here for the last week. And you can, yeah. everyone who's listening, you can listen to this um, podcast on interviewunderfire.com. We're also on every stream out there, whatever service you guys can have. We appreciate the support. Fella, you stay safe out there in Switzerland, man. Uh, we'll do this again. Absolutely. Can't wait to meet you in person and you should you should meet the guys honestly. It's going to be fun. I, I can't wait. The future.
Thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.